Last week, I was completely covered in poison ivy. I looked like Quasimodo. So I'm just excited to be here and uh, open up God's Word a little bit together and uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, just see this good news of the gospel a little more clearly. Uh, my name's Max. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Crossroads. I get the joy of working with our 6th through 12th grade students week in and week out. I love doing that. I love just knowing the ins and outs of people's life. That's my favorite thing, just shepherding our students. And so um, I just wanted to start off with that and just say, like, this is a big place. And there's a lot of ways here at Crossroads to make this big room, this big event uh, into something small. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you're new here, um, if you've been coming for a little while, I just want to encourage you to find that place outside of just this teaching time where you can get plugged in, where you can know people, and where you can be known. Uh, I started here uh, coming to Crossroads 10 years ago, and that was in the Sunday school with the little kids that I started. And there's so many places that you can do that. So uh, don't let this be the only place um, where you're plugged in. Uh, so we'll start there. Uh, that being said, I have something I'm excited to share with you guys today. Rod has asked us to spend the summer really shining uh, the truth of the gospel, giving a clear understanding of what it is. And he encouraged us to pick a picture that would hopefully do justice to that. So today I've done that. Um, we're going to look at a few short verses in the book of Matthew. Uh, but before we do that, I want to try and catch you guys up to speed with what's going on. It wouldn't be fair not to. That's why, for the most part at Crossroads, we just trudge through a book of the Bible. Because uh, when these authors are writing it, they're doing it in a context. They're trying to show us something uh, specific. And so Matthew is trying to show us something specific here. So I'm going to start out by giving you guys sort of this quick intro. Imagine the opening crawl of maybe a Star Wars movie, right? It says, in a galaxy far, far away. It's behind me on the screen. Right, and it gives you this intro of what's going on. So this is that quick 30-second intro. So Matthew wants us to see Jesus in, in three specific ways. He's doing something specific in writing this gospel of Jesus. He wants us to see him as the Messiah, this one that the people have been waiting for. He wants us to see him as the new Moses. And he also wants us to see him as God with us. In Matthew chapters 1 through 3, uh, Jesus introduces Jesus and gives us this genealogy. And then he gives us four prophecies about who Jesus is, connecting Jesus back to this Old Testament story that we have. In 4 through 7, he begins to announce what the kingdom of heaven is like. He does this uh, through, he gives us this story of the temptation of Jesus. And then he gives us this, the famous Sermon on the Mount where Jesus explains in words what the, what the good news of the kingdom is. And then in chapters 8 through 10, we begin to get some pictures and some stories of what this good news really looks like and tastes like. We see that as he begins to bring shalom to chaos. Everywhere he goes, peace is brought. Calm to the storm, healing to the afflicted. And then in chapters 11 through 13, where we're going to land today, we see some responses of different people. And there's three main responses. The first response is people accept and they believe that this is the Messiah. The second response, people are unsure. And the last response, people question whether 
uh, this really is, and they really deny Jesus as the Messiah. In many ways, this is the same as we have today. In many ways, this hasn't changed. Many of us believe, many of us believe, and at times are unsure of this truth, and then there's many who just don't believe. So it's in this section that we find today's uh, passage. It's Matthew chapter 11, if you want to flip to your Bibles. There, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. You can stand for the reading of God's word if you are able. Starting in verse 28, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me have a seat. Nice, short passage for today. We're just going to go through this line by line and see if we can't understand a little bit more about who Jesus is. Uh, Maybe some of you guys have memorized this passage before. Uh, Before I started studying this a few months back, um, I always thought of this passage as like a salvation passage, right? One that you would share with someone to welcome them into the family, right? Come to me, all you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest, right? Sounds really good. Sounds really appetizing, but then after you've been journeying with Jesus for a while, we get hit with these real hard discipleship passages, right? Like, take up my cross and follow me. And so we have this, like, wrestling that we face between, like, is this supposed to be this weighty, heavy existence, or is this supposed to be light and easy, like Jesus is saying here? And I want to make the case this morning that it should be easy and light, I want to make the case that this can almost be like a barometer for our walks of whether we're believing the truth about who he is and what he says. So I'm going to try and do that for us today. Um, So our picture is the yoke, and we're going to look at that and study that and see what this yoke means and how we can understand the good news of the gospel more. So I have some slides. I'm going to have the verses up there. The first Uh, one I'm just going to read out, and then you guys are going to join me. You can say it to your neighbor, or you can just repeat it back to me. Uh, If nothing else, we're going to memorize this today, maybe, some of you. So uh, the first verse says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Awesome. Amazing. Sounds way better when this room is full. Last night was a little sparse. Um, so this first verse here, Jesus invites these people in to follow him. This is the same word when he uses, says come as he would have used with the disciples when he invites them to follow after him. This is an actual following when he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He's inviting the weary and the burden of that day to come and to find rest in him. At this time, Jesus is moving from town to town in Galilee, and wherever he goes, he's healing people, and he's teaching, and people are flocking to hear the words that Jesus has to say. Picture wherever you would be on Black Friday, right? Walmart, Home Depot. People are just ready there. Have any of you guys seen those videos, right, where people are just like climbing over each other? 
This is like that, right? The woman is reaching out just to simply touch his cloak. People are putting people down through the top of roofs just to get close to this man. People are longing for what he is offering. Imagine yourself living back then. In many ways, different from today. They're living a mainly agriculturally based lifestyle. They're out in the hot summer sun farming or, or fishing. Everywhere you look, there's another tax collector taxing you for something. You maybe save just a, enough to get by. Um, three times a year, you would head up to Jerusalem to celebrate. You would celebrate the feasts, but it's also at those feasts that you would be reminded of the brokenness of your sin and the brokenness of this world as they would make atonement for for their sin and the blood of the animals is said to have been flowing through the streets. There would just be so much blood uh, from the animals being sacrificed. Not only were they being taxed by the Romans, also their religious leaders were swindling them out of money. We have stories of that where Jesus gets so frustrated by this. So at every step, these people know weariness and burden. Jesus says that the Pharisees, they tie up heavy and cumbersome loads and they put them on people's shoulders. And then Jesus comes on the scene, right? And he starts healing people and he starts challenging this religious authority and he starts offering rest to people. I want to fast forward a little bit to today, and we're going to bounce back and forth between back then and today uh, and figure out what this text means for us. It doesn't take very much uh, for us to realize today that we face many of these same types of weary and burdensome things. It doesn't take much to look around and see that people are still burdened and weary. One song that recently caught my attention was on uh, the Billboard charts last year for like most of the year, almost at the top. Uh, I looked at it this week and there was almost a billion views on YouTube of this song. The song is by 21 Pilots and it's called Stressed Out. Any of you guys heard this song? Sweet. (laughs) Don, I love it. Don's hurt. I'm going to read some of these lyrics. If you know the end of them, we're going to do a little more call and response here, and you can finish the line. If you don't know, you don't have to. But I think I like these a little bit. They're interesting. It says, I was told when I would get older, all my fears would shrink, but now I'm insecure, and I care what people... Good. (laughs) It's always... Wish we could turn back time to the... The good old days, remember those, right? When mama sang us to sleep, but now we're we're stressed out. Out of student loans and treehouse homes, we all would take the ladder. Good, some of you guys have heard this. I've listened to this song like 10 times, 20 times on there. Um, Right, who wouldn't rather have a treehouse than a student loan, yet I would... Uh, wager a bet that most of us have student loans over tree houses. We would build a rocket ship and we'd fly it far away. Used to dream of outer space, but now they're laughing at our face saying, wake up, you need to make money. In many ways, my generation 
has it easier than any generation before, if we're honest with ourselves. But in many ways, we're just as burdened, if not more, than any generation before. More stressed out, more anxious, more lonely than any generation before. It's to this person that Jesus says, come. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. However, this isn't a weekend kind of rest that he's inviting them into. This is a deeper rest. This is a freedom kind of rest. He then says, take my yoke and learn from me. You guys can repeat that one. Perfect. You guys are going to memorize this, I promise. How many of you guys know what a yoke is? This is not an egg yoke, okay, for some of you young people. This is uh, a wooden yoke. The original hearers would have known what Jesus was talking about. Um, I have a picture of one here, first one there, right? So this is a single person shoulder yoke that someone would wear to carry either buckets of grain or, or water, And this term yoke was a symbol, it was a a metaphor that Jesus was using for service and servitude. See, if we go all the way back to Exodus 6, uh, God tells Moses to say, he says this, he says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. See, with a simple phrase like this, take my yoke, we see this connection that Jesus would have been making. By using this word, he extends to them as he does to us this freedom from slavery. In Exodus, Moses was freeing them from the slavery of the Egyptians. But now Jesus, a new Moses, has come to offer a greater freedom and a new yoke. I brought with me an example of this yoke. This is the one that I just showed here. Consider uh, today, what are the things that have you weighed down? What are the yokes of the world? What are the things that quickly come to mind when, when I say that? When I say, what's got, what's got us weighed down? What are those heavy things? See, we did this with the students this year. We were talking through some of these things, and they threw out a bunch of different things, right? They threw out school. They threw out work, driver's test, friends. Many of the same things that you and I would throw out, but then would throw out. But then as we discussed, we realized it wasn't the things themselves that really were weighing us down, but, but the thing behind the thing. So let me explain with an example. Um, let's take school. We've all been in some type of school. Uh, last night I asked this question. I said, is school innately good or bad, and everyone yelled out good, and I was like, oh, dang it. I, want... <laughs> I was waiting for some, like, ruffian child to yell out, bad. 
I want to make the case that school in general is like a neutral thing. It's neutral, but the why behind the what is what makes it good or bad. See, if it's for learning and growing and maturing, then it's a great thing, something that we all should continue to do. But if what's behind it is negative, then it can become a bad thing. See, for many, school becomes about not learning, but about performing, about gaining approval, approval from people. It's not satisfactory just to go and learn, but we have to make honor society, right? We have to make varsity team the freshman year. We have to be top of the class. We have to stand out in some way. And this doesn't just happen when we're young, right? This translates into the workplace. It goes for our work, our relationships. See, it's really the thing itself that's bad, but the thing behind the thing. What's driving it? What are the lies behind those things? What are the lies that become burdensome? See, even when we fast from something, even if we take a Lenten season and get something out of our lives, if we don't dig down deep to the root and figure out what's driving that thing, then we, we just pick it right back up or, or we just find another thing to fill that, fill that void. My friends, the same thing the enemy used in Matthew chapter 4 when he was tempting Jesus he used the temptation of comfort, control, performance, approval. And he still uses those things to try and keep us in bondage today. We learn quickly that if we perform well, that, that we'll receive praise from people or that we'll receive approval or uh, that we can do things in order to gain control or maintain comfort in our life. See, Jesus offers us this opportunity to step out from under that yoke and into his new yoke, one that's freedom. And this is where I think this picture of the yoke gets really exciting. See, because there's, there's another kind of yoke. I have a picture of that one as well. And this is what I want us to picture when we think of the yoke that Jesus offers us, this is an animal yoke, one that maybe two oxen would step into and pull uh, a heavy load like the Ark of the Covenant or to till soil. And there's a cool picture that goes along with this. See, when someone's training up a new ox, they would yoke it together with an older one. They would yoke it with one that's stronger, one that knows what it's doing so that it can learn what to do and how to walk and how to live. And that's the beauty of this picture of this yoke I think we have, that we're not alone. We're not just trading this one yoke of servitude and slavery to the world for another yoke of servitude and slavery to Jesus. But we step into this yoke where he's right there with us, where he does the heavy lifting and where he pulls the weight, the weight that we could never pull. The weight of our sin, the weight of having to perform, to gain his approval, or to grasp for control. See, because when we yoke ourselves with him, 
We learn. We learn to trust that he's in control. All over the passages, the text before this uh, chapter here, we see the shalom that Jesus brings to people when he comes around and when when he enters into their life. And the beauty of Jesus is that he's so big, he's so great that he's able to be in control. Yet, He's so close and he's so intimate that I know, he knows our each and every need. See, in these chapters, he brings peace to the leper. He heals the centurion's son, Peter's mother-in-law. He calms the stormy seas. Everywhere he goes, he brings this peace. My friends, this is not just a good news for the future, but I think this is good news for now. See, this doesn't mean that we just sit back and walk, watch and we wait. No, this means we yoke up and we step into that with him and we learn. We take his yoke and we learn from him. I think far too few of us have many times claimed, the, we, far too few of us have claimed the freedom in our day-to-day lives that he really offers I think we must remind ourselves often of the freedom that each and every one of us have in Christ. Otherwise, we can simply just step back into our old yokes. And then we're nothing more than, uh, we look essentially like we've traded in this identity of a new yoke and a new life in simply for some menial get out of jail free card or get into heaven card. And then much of us, much of the church then looks like, you know, saved and handing this, holding this thing, yet still weighed down by all the same burdens, and we're no freer than the world. See, Jesus doesn't just offer a future freedom. He offers this freedom to us now. I mentioned earlier the yoke of the world, but there's also another yoke that has much of us, much of the church in bondage. And this is the yoke of religion. Now let me clarify what I mean a second here. Uh, There's the yoke of following Jesus, which yes, is still a yoke. And then there's this yoke of religion, which becomes following rules and regulations, working uh, to, to get right with an angry God. But see, this yoke is fed by many of those same things, comfort, control, power, and approval. We see right after uh, today's verses in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees on the Sabbath. And these guys have even the Sabbath day transformed from a day of rest into a day of rules. They say these words, they say, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. These guys are so focused on the doing and what they're supposed to do right or not do wrong, that they miss the very Messiah they've been waiting for. They miss Jesus, the author of the Sabbath. And this continues on today, both in Israel and and here where we live. I was in Israel a couple years back. Give you a little story of what this looks like. So uh, we were on one of Rod's trips, and me and some friends were out swimming in the Mediterranean Sea, and we came back, and we're soaking wet, and we're late for dinner, and so we run into the elevator, and we were, 
way high up, some floors, like eight or nine. We each pushed our respective uh, floor, and the elevator went up one floor, and the doors opened like someone was going to get on, and then there was no one there. And we just sort of chuckled and didn't know what was going on, and, and the doors shut, and it went up another floor, and the doors opened, opened again, and again, no one was there. It was almost like one of uh, my sixth grade students just ran and hit all the lights, right? I know some of you have done that, and then next people are, have to wait a long time. It was like that. And so it did, this just kept happening over and over, and finally after four or five floors, we hopped off and we ran down the stairs, and we had no clue what was going on, and we ran into the dinner area, and we just we yelled out what was going on, and someone's like, oh, that's the Shabbat elevator. And I had no clue what the Shabbat elevator was. But the Shabbat elevator is there, and it goes up consistently, one floor at a time, and down one at a time, so that they don't have to work on the Sabbath, because, be, because pushing a button would be considered work. This is how uh, far the, it has gone. Um, But this doesn't just exist there, right? We're from Grand Rapids. We know this can so quickly turn and happen in our own hearts and in our own lives. We quickly start measuring our walk and where we're at. We start comparing. We start measuring if we're doing the do's and don'ts, right? If we're on track in our walk, if we're doing A, B, C, and if we're not doing X, Y, Z. I know I can fall back into this so easily, into the, these religious things. I can believe the lie right now that if I perform well up here on stage, that if I say things the right way, that that God will be proud of me or he'll approve of me more or even that you guys will approve of me more. Or I can do it with control, right? With my doctrines and thinking, uh, comforting myself that I'm saved not by Jesus but by these propositions that I have memorized. I'm not though. I'm I'm saved with this, by this person, this man, Jesus. He then says, and this is our next slide, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Repeat after me. Excuse me. Love it. I think it's important that Jesus says this here. Because he reminds us as we remove this yoke of slavery and step into his yoke, that he's gentle and that he's humble. See, the type of person that we follow is important, right? If it's a, if it's a boss or if it's a coach and they have, they're of high character, then we can trust them and we can follow them into difficult situations. I think for many of us, we often forget the character of Jesus. And we mistake these words that we hear for his words when we're hearing the words of the accuser. This is why I love at Crossroads that we spend so much time just talking about who God is and what he's like. It's not uh, unnormal for Rod to spend an entire message just lifting up God and, and sharing his character and leaving us with little to no application, just setting our eyes on him. See, I think for many of us, like myself, who grew up here in West Michigan, you can easily miss the opportunity of falling in love with this person, Jesus. Of falling in love with 
him and really learning what he is like. If you grow up in it, if you're many of the students I work with, right, they've grown up in this. They're in Christian school and, and they, they're here faithfully every week and it, it just becomes this religion. We forget what he's like. But the good news is not a list of these do's and don'ts. The good news is our God who doesn't sit up on a throne and send down a list of things for us to do in order to get right with him. No, he came down off that throne and he bore the weight of that yoke, that heavy yoke that we could never bear. I love this verse in in Philippians 2 that says, who being the very nature of God did not consider himself Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, my friends, we don't have a taskmaster God who's just sending down things for us to do. We have a God who humbly gets off his throne and steps down into that yoke with us. Whose words are, I am gentle and humble in heart, and in me you will find rest for your souls. This process of taking off our old yoke and stepping into his yoke is really simple. It's a simple process. However, it's not always easy. And I think knowing the character of Jesus helps make this a little bit easier. I recently had someone say to me, the fear of the unknown is worse than the pain or the discomfort of the known. I'll say it again. The fear of the unknown is worse than the pain or the discomfort of the known. See, the Israelites knew this when they, when they left Egypt and when they got into this wilderness land, the unknown. It was here that they, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They longed to go back, even though what was back there was slavery and bondage. But I think if we remind ourselves of the character of God, if we remind ourselves what Jesus is like, and we yoke ourselves with the one who is gentle and humble, that we can hold on to that promise from Jesus, that we will find rest for our souls. This is not just a momentary rest. This is not just a spring break rest that has already faded or a Memorial Day weekend rest that will also fade. This is that deep down kind of rest, that identity kind of rest. So when I was preparing for this, I asked some friends of mine, what does this mean to you when I say, Jesus' yoke is easy and light. What does that mean to you? And every single person landed with this word, just freedom. Freedom. I have a picture that sort of shares what this, this feels like to me. Like, my wife asked me, but what does, that really, what does that really look like? What does that really feel like? So we'll go back into the land of Israel, and if you've been there with Rod, you know that he doesn't give you an itinerary of what's going on. And so if you like to know what's going on, you like to have control, uh, any of you out there like me like to maybe know the plan for the day, five-year plan, saving, stocks, anything, okay? 
I like to have a little plan. So on this trip, for us control freaks, this uh, is a difficult thing. You don't know where you're going. You don't know how long you'll be hiking. Maybe seven miles, maybe 10 miles. Um, all you know is that you have to follow this guy. But then as the trip goes on, you begin to enjoy it a little bit, right? Every time it's noon or dinner time, there's food there. Every time you get back on the bus, there's water and cool air. He never pushes you further than you can go. And if you feel like it is further than you can go, then there's this amazing community of people around you who can carry you and pull you along. And by the end of the trip, I found myself really not wanting in many ways to come back here where I had to worry about tomorrow and what was next because I fell in love with this feeling of just being able to trust and be present in the moment, enjoy what was there, and just simply take another step and another step and just walk and learn and be. This is the best picture I can think of of what it's like or what it should be like to just yoke ourselves with Jesus and learn and follow him. He lastly says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You guys can repeat this one. Because he is gentle and humble in heart, I think then we can understand how this yoke would be easy and light. Jesus is speaking, when he's speaking here, he's describing the type of yoke that he offers. And this does not mean that the wilderness won't be hard. This does not mean that we won't face things that are difficult. That's not what this easy yoke means. He promises, he tells us that we will experience many of the same things that he experienced. But we will not do so with a yoke itself that is heavy, but one that is easy and one that is light. Why? Because Jesus offers to remove from us that yoke of slavery in a way that nobody else could when he bore the weight of our sin on that cross and exchange offers us the truth of this freedom and rest in him. In him, he says, we are safe. In him, he's in control. In him, he says, we're significant, that we're strong, that we're loved, that we're known. And I think knowing the truth of what he is like then allows us to step into these hard situations. It allows us to have that tough conversation with a family member or a coworker. It allows us, Crossroads, to adopt another child or to give a little more and to trust that he has a better plan, that he knows. My friends, all we have to do is come and take it and walk. For some of us today, we need to hear the words of Jesus that say, come. For others of us, we've been living like a life with ticket in hand, yet still weighed down by the burdens of this world. And to us, he says, take my yoke. And for many of you, when you met Jesus, he was this gentle and humble person. But after years of journeying with him, it feels like he's become this taskmaster. And to you, he says, that's not my yoke, because my yoke is not heavy. My yoke is easy. My yoke is light. And for those of you who know that freedom, know that truth, I just want to encourage you this week as you go out into the world, 
Who is it that you know who's weighed down by the burdens of this world that you can help extend the freedom of Jesus, removing that yoke from them and helping them to step into the truth of the new yoke that he offers? You guys pray with me. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning to know you more, Jesus, to know your person, to know your character, to be able to trust you in whatever hard situation we have going on, with whatever's weighing us down and burdening us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to step out from under the yoke, the yoke of the world, the yoke of slavery, and into your new yoke, the yoke of freedom. And we pray. Amen.